This is the Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am your host, Shari Teigman, mindset coach and creative business strategist, and I am here to share with you the Mavericks of the world and pull the curtain back to teach you what it takes to have the mindset of a maverick. Today's Maverick is actually a personal friend of mine that I met through work. Harry Powers is an actor, a writer, a mentor, and a sexual abuse survivor, and he does everything he can to make a positive change in the world through storytelling. Ranking up 2.3 million likes and 125,000 followers on TikTok just on this message alone, his message of helping sexual abuse survivors break their silence speaks to the hearts of many people all over the world. Perry co-runs a charity called We Rescue Kids, where they rescue children from sexual abuse and give them the support they need to heal and positively move forward. Perry's latest book, Breaking the Silence, reached the number one spot on Amazon for sexual abuse and mental health. He's been seen on Fox, NBC, CBS, MTV, Sky, and The Good Men Project, hoping that his story continues to impact the lives of those who need to hear it most. And let's dive into the interview. Welcome back to another episode of Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am Shari Teigman, as you know, and today I have on someone who's a friend before he became a maverick in terms of what's going on for him for now, but we now found out he's been a maverick for a very long time, and we just didn't know about it. So welcome to the show, Perry Powers. Oh, hello, Shari Shari. It's good good to be on with you. It's like, but I never got to interview people that I know from before. So Perry and I met a couple of years ago through the coaching world and we did a little work together. I did um, an expert slot in a program in a group that he was running and we just kind of clicked at that time and, you know, been in around each other's circles. And then all of a sudden Perry decides to write a book about something. What did you write a book about Perry? Fairy tales and uh... yes, <laughs> grim reaper fairy tales. Yeah. So yeah. I'll tell you wh- who you were to me before, and then we'll talk about the book. So you're like this awesome, young, connected, intuitive, really like bright guy who gets it, motivated. You know, a lot of us are surrounded by people. Well, I shouldn't say that. I forget that everyone doesn't live in our kind of circles, but in our personal development entrepreneurial space, there are a lot of us at all different ages. I think I'm your age, I'm not. Um, apparently, <laughs> on my driver's license, it says I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. But I'll, I'll say this lovingly, you didn't stand out as someone, and I'm pretty intuitive, be like, there's something about that guy. <clears throat> and fortunately or unfortunately, most of us can see when someone's got something really unhealed or it's you know pissing all over their business or something's just off about someone, you didn't have any of that. You didn't have stuff where like, wow, that guy's a real old soul for a reason. I wonder what his story is. You just seemed really together um, and open, vulnerable, very supportive of people. And I was like, great guy. I can't wait to see him grow in whatever he does. Mm-hmm. So now tell us what you wrote the book about. Here we are. So I wrote a book about sexual abuse, about my story on sexual abuse and to give a platform for other people living in silence to also break their silence and live a life that's more free where they're not fighting with their inner demons every single day because they blame themselves for what happened light topic perry it's just oh how light is it sunday morning paper kind of stuff yeah talk about every breakfast why not (laughs) exactly now you do all day long 
So jokes aside and everyone, I'm joking because Perry is like that. Perry is has has done this for a reason. This isn't a tell all. This isn't an anything. It's coming from a healed place. So Brene Brown, who's a famous shame researcher, always says we should share something when there's a scab on it, when it's still open and bleeding. And look, we're vulnerable beings. We should be. We grow more when we are. We still have to work on our own stuff before the rest of the world gets it. And I, I think you've done that beautifully. There's always more work to do, but if you wouldn't mind giving a bit of backstory and I'm going to send the links to the book and the charity that you're working with and all that, we'll talk about that later, but give us a little timeline here of how this gone. Cause I don't want it to be, Oh, now he's a great guy telling a story that almost feels like it's an, a, a distant memory. You live with this every day. So how did we get to this point? Reverse the story for us a bit. Okay. So uh, we lived about a 15 minutes walk away from my nan's house. And this is from my dad's side of the family. So it's my dad's mum, And she was married to a man named Michael, who would be my step granddad. And I would go around there 9.9 .9 times out of 10 with a family member, whether that's with my dad, whether it's with my stepmom, whether it's with my cousin, we'd go around there. And it, and it was great. And like me and my step granddad will go down to the pub. So my, my nan and my step granddad, they were alcoholics. They've always been alcoholics. And I think that's kind of the way my dad parented me in a way that he did. Like I, as soon as I was 19, I left home. I was like, I cannot fucking be here anymore. Yeah. Right. Because growing up, like my, my biological mom, she walked out when I was four. So it was just me and my dad. And um, I've got a great relationship with her now. Like it's fantastic. She's a, and I've realized she is me in a female form. Like is she's so she a joker. left for a reason like you left. I mean, that's very hard for a four-year-old, but now as an adult, you can understand why she completely, left. completely. Yeah, completely. And I remember, I remember the time when we had a conversation about it. I was like, mom, you know, I forgive you, right? Like yeah. you walked out because you like, because we're human beings and you had a reason to walk out. Like I know that leaving your son behind wouldn't have been a hard thing, which means that there must have been a very strong reason for you to do so. And then I was there, she was like, oh, she was like crying her eyes out. And so we've got a fantastic relationship now. But a couple of years after that, my stepmom then came into the picture. So my stepmom is South African. So I've got a big South African side of the family. Every single year I go over like Christmas and summer holidays. And I was the best man at their wedding. Right. So when I was nine, they got married. I was the best man. I mean, it was my day. It was not their day. Right. I was walking down with the rings. I was like, everyone look at me. Come on. It. Yeah. And and I remember making a promise. I promised my dad, I promised myself. And I've always told whenever I was with a partner and was on that level, I've always said that my dad would be the best man at my wedding. And I've always said that to repay that. Right. And. With going back to my step granddad, oh, so in, in regards to the parenting, my dad, like, he, like, cotton wound me because growing up, because of the alcoholic parents, they will always be at the pub, right? When they come back home, the house needed to be cleaned and needed to be dinner on the table that my dad would cook. If there was no dinner on the table, they'll be pissed. Not, why hasn't he done it? And So not where is he, but why isn't the dinner on the table, right? So my dad never had that love and that security uh, growing up, so he done that for me, but he was very suffocating, and I don't blame him for it. But that's why I was, that's why I left. On top I, of raising him by yourself, you know, he took exactly. extra responsibility. Gotcha. Exactly, exactly. So it started when I was 10 years old with the sexual abuse, and it was done by my step-granddad. Now, he, he would, like, take me down to the pub, 
Diet Coke bag of crisp playing pool. Like we had a great relationship as any grandson and grandfather. What flavor crisp? I need to know. She's an onion. I don't know. I'm salt and vinegar, but she's an onion if there's no salt and vinegar. Sorry, you said crisps. I got distracted. No, it it depends. Yeah, but it depends on like, it depends on what you, now, I don't know if this is old age. I mean, (laughs) but like, it depends on what I'm having a crisp with, you know. Fair, fair point. It's a flavor thing. Okay, I'll give you that much. All right. (laughs) <laughs> Continue on. Sorry, you distracted me. <laughs> um, and so we had a we had a great relationship, and a year and a half went by. I never saw him again, and I remember, and I'll and I'll get onto the context in a little bit. I remember when my dad said to me, "Right, you're not going around there again," and I remember being pissed at my dad. Right for not allowing me to go and see my nan and my stepgrandad anymore. Looking back, I can imagine what my dad would have been like. What are you talking about, son? Right, but even then, I didn't understand. I thought it was just a relationship that me and my stepgrandad had. I thought he was just. How would you know? You know, you watch telly with this grandparent. You go fishing with that grandparent. How would you know the difference? Which is so telling about child abuse because you they don't know anything's wrong. They don't have a reference point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, It the common. The thing with my second it, it stayed at a constant level. Like he never raped me or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I'm not saying, you know, there's a difference. I mean, everybody relates, like reacts in, in, a, in a particular way to what happens to them. So I'm not saying something is bad or, or, or worse, but he never raped me. It, it stayed at a consistent thing where he would put his hand down my pants and play with me for, for, for a while. He might press his erection up against me, he might breathe into my ear or stroke my face in a particular way. It was a common thing where I would sit on his lap and we would watch TV. And whilst I'm sitting on his lap, obviously I can feel him under me. And then he would have his hand down my pants whilst we're watching TV. But that to me was the norm, right? right. When you think about it, it's crazy, but that, that was the norm. And the reason why it stopped was because the thing about, uh, the, the thing why um, some people like to, you know, have sex in public because of the, the, the thing of maybe being caught. And it's that, I might be caught, it's exhilarating, right? And I think he had the same thing with that because he would do it sometimes with people in the room that he just wouldn't know. So the, the reason why it stopped is because my stepmom caught it happening. Uh... Now, crazy thing is, and, it, and this, is a, this is the thing about details sometimes, I am not, and I think it's the more that we find out about ourselves, the more we create self-awareness, we, we realize how, what we're good at and what we're not good at. I'm not good at details, right? I like remembering all the details. I'm really not good. And that's the same in business too, right? I have the I've, same I have the same gift, Perry. <laughs> we're <laughs> big vision people. Details are yeah, not our thing. That's it. That is it, right? So I I was always led to believe that my stepmom never actually saw it happening, but she had an idea of it happening, right? And then when I started to speak out about my story, she's like, you do realize that isn't exactly what happened. I actually saw it. And then I was like, what? She goes, I, ho- I told you this. I was like, yeah, but mom, you know, I'm not good with like, sometimes I just don't remember it, right? right. Like she'll tell me and then I'll, I'll take the idea, like the, the, the theme and I'll forget the details, right? Uh, but what actually happened was I was on his lap. His, we had like a sofa and then there was a sofa directly opposite. My stepmom was on a sofa directly opposite watching the TV. I was on his lap. He had his arm over the couch. He used to smoke, smoke roll-up cigarettes. The cigarette dropped out of his hand, fell onto the carpet. She sort of looked, didn't take no notice, would expect that he would lean over and pick it up. But then he didn't. Then, he, then she looked up, and then she saw his hand on my pants. And then she was like, oh, fuck. 
exactly. and then she goes and then she said to me she goes i got up out of the room i walked out i called you then you come out of the room and then i took you home and then i told your dad and then that's when your dad said to you you're not going around there again right and even then i was like what why and then so as that's... a kid, you think you did something wrong. You think you're unloved. Yeah. Abandonment was already there. Yeah. And I remember saying to my mom, and these words, and I think for some people, it might, this might hit a, a, a very, um, this might hit them in, in, in a way, because I was only actually able to say these words for the first time two weeks ago, because to say these words out loud, one as a man is very fucking hard to do so and also just as a human being who's been through that who knows it's wrong and i remember saying to my mum my biological mum when she found out what happened and she broke down in front of me and still I was like why are you why i don't understand all these reactions and i remember saying i enjoyed it right i remember saying that but i enjoyed it and then and i know as soon as those words come up my my my, my mouth i remember my mum was looking at me just grab my face no perry no 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 no. he made you think and and i've had i've had these talks with so many survivors before men and women right and i remember this conversation with a woman once she goes i used to go around to this house with three of my friends one of the friends used to have an older brother and we'd be watching tv and he would used to do things to me she goes and i remember being there taking it she goes because it, it felt good because they are sex organs they're made to they're, they're doing things however i still didn't give consent he never asked right and she goes, and she's lived with that, but I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. And then, and as a kid, it was kind of a similar thing. And I remember saying that. And so my dad, then in that same visit, when my dad said, don't, don't, um, you're not going around there again. He then said to me, don't, I don't want you to talk about this, right? Don't go to school. Don't tell people at school. Don't go tell your friends. And it was because he didn't want a black cloud over the family. He used to say that all the time. Don't want a black cloud. Don't want people to think of the power me and then. Then they connected to abuse, right? So I said, okay. And and it was fine because I, I wasn't a, a kid who, who thought it was all bad. So I just went to school and it was all good. And then about a year or two later, I, I still don't, to this day, don't remember doing it. Don't know why I done it. But I was in English class. And you do have to laugh at this because I do laugh. I was in English class. I the try teacher... not to laugh. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. Um... No, I'm going to laugh, obviously. <laughs> the teacher gave us all an assignment to do in class. She goes, right, students, I want you to write a short story. And at the end of the class, right, at the end of the class, I want you to hand it in. People are talking about, you know, maybe Power Rangers are talking about the girl that they're, <laughs> oh, right? no. there's me. I'm going to write a short story about, about my step-granddad sexually um, abusing me. Wow. And then I hand out. it in. You had yeah. to get it out. And I, and I handed it in as if it was nothing. Right. And so there's my dad telling me not to tell people. I did the complete opposite by telling the whole school board, right? Because that's what a teacher would have done, which brings social services into it. And uh, my dad was an interesting man. He was a very pride, prideful man. He was a very man's man. Um, he had to assert dominance. He had to be in control. And he gave me a right bollocking, right bollocking uh, about that. And I was like, okay. And, um, and then from that, they assigned me with a school counselor, a therapist, right? So I had this therapist every single uh, week for, for a number of years. And, and it, it helped. I don't remember most. This is the thing. is a lot of shit I don't remember. I don't remember most of the sessions I had with her throughout school. Like, I remember one of them when she 
brought in an MP3 player. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Right? Because like, it wasn't a thing in those times, like MP MP3. And then she gave it to me as a present. Like, I remember things like that, but I don't remember talking to her about the abuse. I don't remember any of that. Um, and then, and then I left, yes, I left school. Then I went to college because I'm an actor, been an actor since a kid. So I studied acting in school and then I went to college to do acting. And the thing growing up in London, I was a virgin. I was not good with the girls. I was not allowed with the guys. I was very introverted, you know, and I never exerted confidence. And that was because my identity was a boy who was abused by a set granddad and nobody knew that secret. Right. And you were also carrying everyone else's shame, dancing around the fact that you didn't have shame about it. So it wasn't at the time, your memory wasn't a traumatic memory, which makes it another layer of confusion here because you don't have the reaction. So then you wonder, is there something wrong with me that I don't think there was a problem? Yeah, 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 that's that's definitely being lodged in there. And, and I think that definitely came into fruition a, um, a bit later on, like to the forefront. Because I, I, when I moved, my nan passed away. So my step-granddad died when I was 14. So when that abuse stopped, he died two years later. Then about a year, two years after that, my nan then passed away. Then so about you never year... saw your nan after that either? I saw her. So I saw when my, not until my granddad passed away. Gotcha. Then I started to see her again. But then she only lived about a year to two years after that because mm -hmm. she did, her, he, he was her whole life, mm. right? And she was confronted about the abuse, not from me, but from a different family member. Right. And she rejected it, not because she didn't believe her, her niece, which is my cousin, not because she didn't believe her, because if she said, OK, I, I believe you, that means she then either has to leave him, which would be suicide to her or stay with him. And then but then she knows what she's staying with, you know. Right. And. Um, and then I so I now passed away, then they were doing up the house and then sell it. Then my dad and my auntie sold the house, they split the money half and half. We then moved out of London to get a bigger house for the buck, bang for the buck, the, my parents. Then I moved college. Now, moving location, to me, was like nobody knows me in this new location. Right. So because nobody knows me, I'm going to create a character, and I'm going to be that character, and I'm going to be the Perry Power 2.0. This guy has slept with over 20 girls, right? He's, been, he's a top lad. Nobody fucks with him, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit about anything, right? Mm -hmm. Which is attractive to some people, right? Because he just has, don't give a shit attitude. Nothing can affect him. And I was like- he got a great it... London accent, so he's got edge. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> yeah. And and I remember going into that college, walking into the performing arts studio and everybody's staring at me. I was like, I am the dog's fucking bollocks, right? Mm -hmm. I am the dog's bollocks. And and I became that character, I faked it until I made it. Then you're an just, actor. It was yeah. probably the first role you got to fully play because your own <laughs> character you couldn't. That's play. it. That is exactly it. And I faked it until I made it. Then I became that person. All the, all the shit became true. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not lying anymore because kind of, you know, type of thing. And then that that lasted for about four years. So I didn't start dating somebody from that college. I went to university when I was 19. I was like, I'm out. But I only lasted one term. I was like, I'm going to university to live a stiffler life from American Pie, right? <laughs> <laughs> where are the moms <laughs> this that's it that's it right and and i went to uni i literally picked kent university i researched what is the most american style uni in the uk with the biggest campus that's all about girls and alcohol and it was kent uni it was in the top three good so to know. i went there huh? good to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it yeah so i went there and and i had this part of uh, this this 
this um this goal to just be the guy who's known for throwing parties and sleeping around right and i did drama and film and i went to in a whole term so three and a half nearly four months i went to three lectures in those four months and we're talking about there's five to six lectures a week and i went to three and i, and I know where it stopped is because i went to my first two lectures which was drama no sorry which was film then i went to my first lecture which was drama and then he said to us you're not doing any practical work for the first year and a half and I remember, and I was like, "Get on a fucking I'm laugh, out. right? <laughs> I am out. I'm not doing paperwork for a year and a half." So I was like, "I'm out." And then literally, the other decision, fuck uni, right? I'm here for. I'm gonna here. I'm gonna be here for the other reason, which is now gonna be the full reason. And then all of this shit came true, the, the stiffer lifestyle. And then I remember getting pulled into after the third time into the principal's office, and he put me onto my last warning. It's called a dean warning before being kicked out of the uni in the first term. And he said to me. When you come back after the Christmas holidays, you either come back as a student who wants to learn or you don't come back at all. He said that. I was like, okay, I'm here for the wrong reasons. So I didn't go back at all. I went traveling with my partner at the time. Um, we got back together after uni. And then we came back. And then we got into our first house together. I became a personal trainer. Which was, so for people listening, me, which I was talking about, when you came into like Fit Story, which is our old company that we used to have, yes. which is where we used to help fitness professionals basically grow their story um, grow their business through leading their story but then that came because i started off as a personal trainer then i became an online fitness coach i then built my business through leading my story then i helped others do the same but it started with me being a pt so I, I started off at a gym but then i was at the gym and then the thing with my dad right is in about 2014 my dad started to drink and it started to become more I would help him fill up the vodka bottles in the house with water so my stepmom wouldn't find out, right? Then the at-home drinking turned to we uh, turned to in the car drinking. We'd go to the shop and you'd buy little bottles of vodka in a black bag. We'd drink them, we'd put them somewhere, hide them in the car. And it just it just went downhill. It was a domino effect. Then that led into him not eating. That led into high blood pressure. Then in January 2017, he became a diabetic. Five months later, he dropped dead from, from a heart attack, right? Literally, and he's 48 years old, right? Out of nowhere. And when I was a PT at the gym, that's when I got that phone call and found out about my dad. Then I went through a bit of a grieving process, of course. And then that's when I created the Fit Parent Movement to help parents not go down the same road that my dad went down. And that's when I led with that. But then Lewis Howes brought out a book called Mosque and Masculinity. Great book. Right? Yeah, fantastic book. And I remember him bringing out the book which was the, the end of 2017. So we're talking about five to six months after my dad passed away, that book came out. And then he was on a TV show with Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, and he was talking about the book. And then he articulated the masks in such a way that it made me realize, holy shit, I thought I built a character. What I was actually doing was I was applying masks in different environments, different situations to suppress that identity that I wanted to shed rather than fucking owning that identity and confronting it. And then when I realized that, I was like, fuck. And I was like, right, I need to take these masks off. How do I do that? And I said to myself, well, that I do that by taking the most hardest option available. I was like, well, <laughs> that is to tell my girlfriend at the time, right? To tell no her. No one knew, not one soul knew since the time you left to go to uni and then left uni, not one friend, not anyone. Mm -mm. You were in that full yeah. role. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And... I was like, when my girlfriend comes home from the pub, finishing work, I'm going to tell her that the that the guy that she started dating, who she thought was this massive player, right, was actually a character. 
and which is huge right for me to especially as a man right because men they pride themselves on ego and being players they were never in a million years but like for example okay i've only slept with one girl not not a hundred right so that type of thing i said like, well no i'm going to tell her then after i've told her i'm going to tell her about the abuse and then i i said to myself she will walk away because i'm a fraud i'm a fake she will leave and and i was like but i will just deal with that because i can't stay silent any longer on this so we went for a walk and I told her, and that was the first time I realized that this, ex this external world that I've been viewing through, you know, through this particular lens was just a reflection of my internal world because she gave me a, a response of, she was shocked at first, but then she got over that very quickly and welcomed me with open arms. And that's something that's that I never would have person. expected. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you're yeah. right. A lot of people wouldn't have, but I'm so glad you had that as the first experience of opening yeah. up. But what I love is that you would have been okay with it regardless. You prepped yeah. yourself for it. Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, because if I was super, super scared of her walking away and that was at the top of the priority list, then I would have stayed in silence even more. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then, then, but the interesting thing is, is that about a year before my dad passed away, uh, in 2015, straight 2016, one of the years, um, Spotlight, a film came out. Have you seen that film, Joe? No, I've heard it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably, probably my favorite film. Um, and for the, for the, for the, uh, the listeners, it's basically, in short, is about Boston journalists in 2001 getting whiff of a case um, of priests molesting children. And it had been going on since the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, right, in, in Boston, in the States. And, and they get a whiff of this case. And as they dive into the case, they, they've uncovered this huge cover-up through the legal system because they didn't want anybody to know about it. So whenever a child would get abused by a priest, they would just put it under the carpet and let the priest walk off scot-free and they're the ones who shined a light on the catholic church system and how rife messing and um, kids are the priests and i remember my dad told me to watch that film so i'd done that and then he was sitting in the car and he goes you know at the end of the film before the credits come up i said yeah he goes there's a list of um orphanages and catholic catholic priests and uh, catholic churches around the world right where there's been molestations i said yeah he goes, well, where your step where your step granddad grew up in Cork in Ireland, the orphanage is listed in that movie. Oh my and god. Then, and then and then he said that. And I'm like, I had no idea about my step granddad's story, right? So he said that. And it's like a fucking drum bombshell. I'm mean, like, as if like, you know, you're gonna Who's tell me. I'm hearing that, yeah. Wow. And then I remember saying, and literally, and I think credit to me, like this the the the, the the side that I decided to view that on, my reaction was literally, so that makes sense then, why you done it, right? Which is the but hardest I, reaction, but hurt people hurt people. It's so trite, but yeah. you don't do yeah. that because you've got nothing else to do on a Wednesday afternoon when the telly's on. That's it, that's it. It's like people are not born, no. an alcoholic, they're not born wanting to rape kids. And, and you know, it, it's, it's coping mechanisms, it's things that's happened from wounds that aren't healed yet. And, but I remember saying that, so that, that explained why I'd done that then. And I remember my dad, it was as if I just punched him in the face. And he's like, and he just flipped on me. He's like, no, it doesn't fucking mean anything. Right. And then got out of the car, slammed the car door shut. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's dad, he's obviously drunk, just having another episode. And, and then I sort of sat with it. And that was, I think, what really allowed, that was like the start of the, the, the journey of the awareness around the abuse and allowing myself to confront that. Then the mask and masculinity happened. And then I told my girlfriend at the time. And then I went to a business mastermind conference. Uh, it was like to help you grow an online fitness business at the time. 
And that was, must have been about three or four months after I told my girlfriend. And then I was there, and it was me and four other people. And then, I don't know, I was like, they're like, right, you're going to go around a circle, and you're just going to share with the people in the group who you are and a bit about yourself. I was on the edge of the circles. I was the last one to go. I'm like, I am not just going to be like, hi, my name is Perry Power. I run a fitness business. And then I was like, Perry, you know what to do. And this is the internal dialogue. It's like, Perry, you know what to do. Just fucking say it. Just say it. Just say it. No, you're not going to say it. because why, why would you even do that? It's like people are keeping it PG. And you're just going to come in and destroy it, right? Then you're going to make everyone uncomfortable. And then it got to me, like, Perry, silence. And I'm probably thinking, is this, is this kid okay? Like, what, what's his problem? My lips opened and then just came out, right? And then I didn't look at anybody. I stared at the floor the whole time, right? And then I finished talking, silence. And I just happened to look up at the two guys running it and they just looked at each other and they looked at me and they're like, fuck. And like, thank you so much for sharing that. Like, Everyone else feels pretty shit about what they share. <laughs> that's it. That's it, right? And they're like, we need to put you in touch with somebody. And they put me in touch with somebody who basically went through something similar. But I remember in the break, one of the girls from the other four came up to me and she just hugged me. She's like, I just want to let you know that you sharing that, thank you. And it brought us all together. And at the end of the mastermind, they wrote cards, right? And they all gave me a card to say thank wow. you for, for opening up. And I remember, and it was a four or five day event. And I remember driving home, right? Because, you know, when you go to a mastermind, like your, your bubble, your world expands, right? Because they, they're bringing you these new insights and these new awareness. So I'm driving home still with my whole world expanded from that. I'm like, I want to I wanna tell more people, right? I said, but I don't want to be bringing up Tom, Dick and Harry, yeah, and be telling them about it. I just want to be able to say it once and let everybody see it. I was like, that's a video. Let's put it on Facebook. And then I was shitting myself. I was like, fuck. And I'm driving home. So I'm like, I'll do it when I get home. No, you won't do it when you get home because by the time you get home in 40 minutes time, you're going to walk in through your front door and you're going to talk yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Do it right fucking now. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving. There's a, there's a road on my left. So I swerve into that road, park up, got my phone out, took me seven takes and then I get the video and put it onto Facebook and then boom, that and then it was game over. Like, I remember everything the just, video. I remember yeah. the video. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting about you is now I understand backstory wise and this is not a dig against how this stuff comes out for anyone because it's a trauma. So we don't get to decide if it's going to be clunky or primal. It's naturally clunky or primal. But you've kept this steady thing about yourself, which I find even more interesting now knowing that you've been playing roles wearing masks for so long that you're the same Perry, but now with more backstory. It's almost like you filled in the blanks around it. You didn't change. And for some people, this becomes their whole identity. It becomes... Perry is this. You're still Perry. You haven't changed what you want to do in the world. You haven't changed how you think about the world. Did that come along the way of having to play a role for so long and then putting that down and figuring out who you were in between? Because now you had no identity. You weren't the old you. You never met the real you that was taken away from you. So where do you lie in the middle of this? Mm. So I, I think... With, with that character that I built and it's like I talk about it in in my book about identity shift right and it's about creating this upgraded version of yourself so if you're if you are somebody who's not confident to be on camera right create a, an identity where part of that person you're hella confident on camera right and yeah you're in a way that's not who you are now right so yeah you might be faking it a little bit 
but become that person and then that will become true. So there's a lot of good things about it, but then yeah, you can put in a little bad things, right? So in that character that I built with the extrovertedness, with the confidence, with the life of the party, I fucking love those things right. that I became. So I kept those bits, I kept okay. those. But so I was you didn't aware... feel like you had to strip everything away. No. Okay, no. that's amazing. But it just shows, I mean, I teach a lot, teach a lot about archetypes and a stepping into, yeah. we all have all characteristics within us. Um, so it's a matter of tapping into something else you need for where you want to go. They're just from a mindset place. If we do what we do, we get the same results. So if there's something else you want, you need to tap into a part of yourself, which like you said, does feel like faking it, but it does also become natural. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you didn't feel like now I have no idea who I am. It's just the parts that felt intuitive and had become natural you kept, but the parts that felt out of alignment you put down. I like that. Okay. Yeah, I let go of. And that ended up being one of your saving graces because who would you have been otherwise? That's amazing. Well, yeah. And 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 I might not have even known that I was lost until a lot later on in life. Yeah, right? 100%. If I didn't 100%. have the awareness within that present moment that I didn't know who I was. Wow. What was the response to this? What you put that Facebook uh, video out, which I remember well, and you got great feedback because publicly we always do because people love this shit. Um, how did you feel after? Did you feel open and exposed? Did you feel like I can't go back or you had already worked on that stuff on your own? When I just put the video out, I remember this dialogue going in my head of, I looked at the video and it had like 60 something views, one like and two comments. So let's just say it was 60 views. I remember being like, okay, so that's three people that's engaged. So that means that there's 57 people who are laughing because they haven't commented, right? And right. I don't want to publicly say something shit on a video like that. Right, right. And, and I remember the dialogue, like, just delete the video, dude. Like, it's only been live for a couple of minutes. Just delete it, delete it. But I knew, like, at that, at that time, I had enough awareness to know that we're not our thoughts, right? So I remember just saying to myself, I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my thoughts. And I got the phone, I threw it into the back of the car, right? And I just turned the car on and started reversing. So if I wanted to reach to get the phone, I couldn't do that while I was driving, right? Mm. So then I reversed and I just started driving. So now I've got no choice to just get home. So, and that was the 30 to 40 minute drive later. So I remember getting back at my house. I was like, oh, what am I in store for? What am I in store for? And then I got my phone and I saw the messages. I saw the likes, I saw the comments and it was there in abundance. And it was, thank you for sharing. I didn't know this about you, blah, 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 blah. But then I got this one guy he was in the States and I, and we had exchanged a few messages. He was a marketer. He's actually doing very well now. And at that time he messaged me saying, dude, because I've been on a very dark path. He goes, because I left my whole family behind on the other side of the States so I can chase my dream within entrepreneurship. And I've been through something similar. He, he never said what, and he, to this day he hasn't, but again, we don't have to. Yeah. And, and we, we will talk about that later on. We don't have to, but he, he was like, I've been on this dark path and seeing you as a man coming out with that has allowed me to be like, holy fuck, I don't need to stay in this darkness anymore, right? And when he said that and I saw that message, that was the very first time where I realized, okay, I shared this for me. I don't give a fuck about anybody else. I'm sharing, breaking my silence for me, I'm sharing it. But now that I've seen this message, I didn't decide because again, it's a choice. Because people are like, once I break my silence, so I didn't have to start helping others. I was like, you don't have to, no, because that's, that's, you don't have to. You know, you can just do it for you and then that's it. It's a choice if you want to start helping other people do the same thing. And when I saw that message, I was like, I made a decision. I'm, I'm going to be helping other people do the same thing. And that's when I just started sharing my story every, every, every time I fucking could. 
It was like it was always going to be a thing. Um, but it didn't. Go ahead. Does it feel very big to share it all the time? Are there any days you just want to just be regular Perry and not have to be on this big mission? It's it's big. It is big. And that's that's a good question because I got this, um, I think it was last week, I was on a podcast and she said to me, she goes, she's like, now, especially right now, you're Perry Power, the survivor of sexual abuse, right? She goes, that's like, she goes, I don't want to say that's your identity as if like that is you. She goes, but you know what I mean by that? I was like, I do know what you mean by that. And I said to her that there's a reason why this is taken off, it's taken off right now. And I'm happy to be that guy for now until it's kind of like, and this is how I draw it because of acting. Matthew McConaughey, yes. everybody should know who Matthew McConaughey is, right? Great example. So, yeah. yeah, so Matthew McConaughey, he got into the acting industry by being typecasted, right? As somebody who's going to be in romance films. And he loved it, right? Because he owned it. That's what got him to where he wanted to get to. Then when he was in a stage where he can then pivot and not be typecasted anymore, he wasn't in a position to do so because he's Matthew McConaughey. And that's how I'm seeing it with the journey of Perry Power. It's like being this guy, the male survivor section we be talking about, I don't give a fuck, I'll talk about it every day, all day, right? And it'll get me to where I need to go and I'll get onto it later. And it, when I'm in a stage two, that can just become a, a strong part of my story, yes. but I'm on to the next thing. Okay, good. Because there's a vulnerability hangover that, that can really take place when we hold a role or hold a secret and hold shame for so long and then we step out it can go the flip side of there needs to be a light on it all the time, or that's the only way you're seen. And I mean, I'm thrilled to hear, I'm not mindset coaching him live. I just care about him. And I was curious about the question, everyone who's listening in. Um, but, you know, this happens a lot of times. So I've interviewed, uh, there's a very famous NHL hockey player um, who also won gold for Canada. I don't know if you've heard him, heard of him. If you haven't, I will introduce you because you will love him. Um, and his name is Theo Flory. He, uh, him, yeah. so he's been on this podcast before. We just actually recorded another one. He now works with people in trauma. So he was sexually abused by his coach all of his training. So this is a high achieving athlete who's everyone, you know, lads, lad, everyone put him on, the, on a pedestal. Who wouldn't want to be gold medalist, captain of, of multiple teams, played for some of the biggest hockey teams in the US and in Canada. And this is what he's coming talking about. You know, the sports organizations weren't happy about it. People didn't know where to put him. And one of the things he says, well, now he says he's not Theo, the hockey player anymore. I mean, he like he's a he's a god in that world, um, but he's also not his trauma. So this re-identification of every stage and he knows if he wasn't who he was, he wouldn't have the platform. If you weren't this young, cool guy that people could relate to then they wouldn't hear you the same way. So, you know, it really is about using your own vulnerability and your own journey to help people, but to continue along wherever it is you're meant to go. And then you'll bring people to the next part of the journey. It is not an easy thing not to get stuck at a phase where, especially after losing so much, the validation and the being seen and the, the significance is a really, it's an addictive thing. And while you're still helping people, it's hard to say, okay, I'm ready to move on or I'm ready. To, it's not using it. I don't mean it that way, but it's, I now need to move to the next phase of my life, whatever that looks like. And that means bringing those people who have also experienced this. Okay. What else is next? What else is possible? That's heavy to carry. Yeah, it, it is. 
it is it's I it's like the next the next step uh, I know he's jumping a bit ahead here but it's very it's, it seems right to bring it up is the movie yeah right and and it's very interesting I knew this whole time like I have an agent who puts me forward for like big time things every single week she sends me an email every Monday we get on calls to tell me what she's put me up for but I've always been this guy this actor who's like my agent isn't going to get me to where I need to go she isn't. She's going to be 1% of the 99% I need to get done, right? And that's okay. She's just there, just doing her thing. But I don't even like. I don't even worry about anything that she's even doing because for me, that's not taking responsibility of my career. Mm-hmm. And, but I know that I'm going to get to where I need to go by writing myself into my own starring role. And, oh, I love that. <laughs> and, but I, I haven't really. I've had ideas like last year in the first lockdown, I wrote a script for a feature film called Roleplay, right? And. <laughs> Role play is basically about um, it's like a Fifty Shades of Grey meets three hundred sixty five DNI. So it's about it's about a uh, role playing sexual fantasy world between a female entrepreneur and a male entrepreneur with a fight over dominance. Right? It's kind of like Facebook groups we're in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that turned into a film basically. Yeah, and 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 I pitched it to some, and I, I literally knocked. And this is the thing: I knocked on every fucking door in the UK. Everyone. Like they all knew Perry Power was, right? Like 100%. And it got through to a production company that does Peaky Blinders and a lot of other British films. And they read and they read the pitch, they read the first couple of pages of the script and they said, we love this. It's not the right timing for it though right now, but can you mm-hmm. can you come back to us with this? So now I was like, okay, I'm gonna park that to one side. Um, rather than putting all my eggs into one basket with that, I'm gonna park my, that to one side, work on the next thing. But I didn't know what the next thing was, but I wanted it to be part of my story. So, and this is the thing, there's no like one way, there's no one path to get to that destination. It's the fucking hundreds of paths, right? Just as long as you get there. And I put the book out and then crazy response. And then I was like, and it dawned on me. I was like, I'm just gonna put this idea out there. And I did a post about it in a, it's called Actors UK. There's like 55,000 people in there, a mixture of unfamous and famous British actors, they're in there. And I was like, and I told them about my story and I told them about this movie. And then I had an abundance of actors, actresses, cinematographers, directors, producers reach out to me to be part of this project. And I've already now, um, I'm, not all of them, but most of them are survivors of sexual abuse, right? How amazing would that be? Because what, what I want to do is create a movie. The, the impact that Spotlight had on the world, I want to create a movie that shines a light on sexual abuse within families mm. and a silence that they live within that family and the lives that it destroys. And it's because it's not the abuse in the family that crushes that family, it's the silence and the secrets, right? It's like, it's not it's not what a thief took from the house, it's what they left behind, right? And also and add on cultural, religious, exactly. societal, you know, no one's gonna marry our other children. We don't talk about this stuff. What are, what are the other families member gonna think? You know, there's so many codings on top of that initial drop. Exactly, and, and I just brought in a partner to the film who comes from an Indian family background, whose um, mum has abused her for over 10 years, right? And this means a lot to her too. So this is like a healing process as well as get, and she and her contacts are insane. So we have my UK producer, right? Who's got contacts to the British film um, festivals, right? Here, which is great. And in hers as stateside, her mentor, right? Is the producer from the Maze Runners, right? And so, so once we get the script done and we got the pitch, getting it onto Netflix and into the theaters, that's no drama. We've got a right. contact. We just have to make sure it's a good fucking product to bring. So we now have two to two and a half months 
right? Very tight. Oh, no pressure, Perry. No pressure. Come on. <laughs> right, to get this done. But this, that has come. And I, like, I know that what we talked about earlier about shifting, I know that once the movie's done and the movie's out there, I'll be where I need to be with an acting, right? But also look how the universe took you on this road to do this healing, to help so many other people, to then get where you wanted to go anyway. Like, you know what? Yeah. Austin Perry will get you there. We're just going to take a little detour because you're going to save lives and you're going to heal hearts and you're going to heal families. And then you can have what you asked for. Exactly. And somebody said to me yesterday, actually her, the partner in the film, I can, when she said these words, I literally cried, literally cried in the call. She said to me, she goes, you know what spotlight was for you in your story? I said, yeah, she goes, that's what your book was for me. And I was, Ooh. And then literally, yeah, when, when she said that, I was, I'm about to cry now. It's like that, it, when she said that, it was just, oh, I can't even put it into words. When she you said know, there that, are people who would never be brave enough to say it out loud or understand, or like you said, carry the shame, but it didn't bother me, or I didn't tell this person, or, you know, you're very lucky, lucky, ha, ha, ha. In the midst of this insanity, you're very blessed to have the stepmom and dad you did for the time that you did to have removed you from there because a lot of other people would have just have kept the child in the environment, not knowing what else to do. Yeah. But, you know, and you had said that your dad, the alcoholism your dad suffered with later in life was probably carrying so much of how do you live knowing you you put your own child at risk when he, when you matter to him so much? Yeah. Well, when, so that video that put out the one that you watched, it's, it shocked my whole family because that episode that my stepmom caught, I led them to believe, obviously for your words that I said as a child, that that was the only time it happened. So nobody knew it was going on for a year and a half prior to that until I released that video. I then go around to my auntie's house, right? My dad's sister, and they couldn't believe it too. Now my cousin, Kelly, her story's in the book. She's already, you know, like already, she already, I knew about her abuse from him. I always have. But then when my auntie tells me, it wasn't just me abused it wasn't just kelly it was also her and it was also my dad that was sexually abused by him growing up and my dad was repeatedly abused by him and it stopped when he was an older teenager because he threatened my step granddad with his life if he ever touched him again and that's why it stopped um and now it makes sense why my dad told me to keep it a secret it makes sense why he flipped on me in the car when i said that explains it after seeing spotlight because i was telling him oh that explains it why your stepdad abused you dad didn't it right yeah. And that's why he then led to becoming an alcoholic because he lived in silence and he was fighting those inner demons. And when, when I, re it was that, when I came to that realization of my dad also being a victim, that's when it then became my purpose to not only break the generational cycle, but to help other people just not go down that same fucking path. Because it's those, it's these false expectations that we set upon ourselves, especially as men, right? So to, of what it is to be a man and, no, in today's and, world, it's impossible with Me Too. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, strong women are wonderful. Strong everyone is wonderful. But it has it has really confused a lot of men, especially young ones, to know their role, where they go, what's okay, what's not okay. You can't be a lad anymore. You're not allowed to do this. You can't be soft because you're not allowed to do that. I mean, it's I've got a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old. It's a very, two boys. It is a very scary world to raise them in because I don't know how to tell them what how to behave out there it just depends on the minute yeah yeah I, I, it's, yeah it's especially in england where mental health stuff is 
a few years behind the U.S. that, you know, has their everyone and their dog is on medication and goes to the therapist, <laughs> which is why my audience is predominantly British, because I love the fact that it is newer. People are cracking open. They're more ready. They don't have all these backstories about what it means. It's just all new. It's terrifying, though. Yeah, it's I know, especially and I can't speak on everywhere else in the UK, but especially London. Yeah. You know, like my dad comes from a Cockney family. And you can't get more more manly than a London Cockney, right? So all the greatest gangsters were Cockney. Best. But in, my favorite. Yeah. My favorite. <laughs> and and my my dad my my nan was born under the Bow Bells, which means that if you're a true Cockney, you're born under the Bow Bells, and that's yes. my 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 dad's whole family is, was from that. And and then you got my dad's dad, who's completely Irish, right? And that's a fucking mix. You got Cockney and you got Irish, right? So you can't get. You were literally man. just, just, I'm so American right now. You literally just described Snatch the movie. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. no one sitting around and talking about their feelings in that crowd. No, no. And, and, and that's, that's it. And, and it's, I just, I just needed to break that. And you know, what's interesting is when I was getting my story out there more and more, especially now since the book and it's getting out there more into the media, I knew that it would come to a stage at some point that my step-granddad's family would see it right? They'll see something in the news or something like, is he talking about, wait, I recognize, and they'll be like, isn't he talking about, you know, our dad? Or is he talking about our uncle, my brother? How fucking dare he, right? That he isn't that type of person. Right. And then 7th of March, it happened, all right? I didn't expect for it to happen that quick. That was very quick. The book just came out. What can I say, Shari? Word spreads like when, yeah. when it's time, it's time, baby. <laughs> Let's exactly. just tear the plaster off, right? Yep. And it was, they're not at a stage to to reveal, they will be very soon, though. They're not at a stage to reveal what, um, how, how would you even say it, like rank of the family? Like okay. what the title is. Does that make sense? Yeah. What the title of the family is. Yeah, as to whether they're brother or sister yes. or not. Two, yes. my step-granddad. But she, there's two girls, right? They're both sisters. And she she reaches out to me. She goes, "Hey Perry, I don't know if you'll remember me, but I'm uh, your step granddad's insert blank." And then I read that. I was like, "Fuck!" I put my yeah. phone down. I was like, "Here we go." Here we go. Here it is. That's it. And it felt the same feeling when I first broke my silence. That's yeah. how it felt. And I pick up the phone. I read the message. And then she was like, "Just want to let you know that our entire family supports you and backs you behind this message because it." <laughs> Because he abused you're killing me, too. dude. You're killing me today. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you and listening, the, I've cried about eight times. I'm just holding it in. You're not seeing. Wow. And yeah, she's like, not that you needed their too. validation, but how did that feel? No. It it's um it put at the back of my mind. It was always there. When are they going to reach out? And I was like, it's okay. I'm I'm ready for it. Right. I don't give a fuck. But it did really help when she said that, and then she said about how they were abused too, and how they're heartbroken because they thought it was just in their family that he abused all of them, right? But then when they find out that it happened in our family too, they couldn't believe it. And um, last weekend, I met up with them. Yeah, me and my cousin, I said to my cousins, I do you want to come? It was just me, but like, you're more than welcome to come too. Yeah. And then Kelly was like, she's like, okay, as long as you're there. So of course, we went down there, we met the two sisters and oh it was crazy what beautiful people they are they are so amazing this is um, unbelievable they're, they're, yeah they're, they're they're such beautiful like so beautiful and 
they like one of the girls is this spitting image of him right she looks just like him right and and that's why she had her glasses on because kelly my cousin is very fragile over it i can eat shit but she's very fragile so she kept her glasses on oh how horrible i know but i i was like and then and i was like girls i was like it wasn't you you were abused too and i was like listen i've completely and we're going to talk about this now about forgiveness right yeah. as like, I've, I've completely forgiven your insert a blank as like, i've completely forgiven him right if he was alive today i'll sit down with a coffee uh, sit down and have a coffee with him uh, he would have been in my book if he was alive today right because i think it's so important it's not about and it, again it does come down to forgiveness it's not about excusing him giving him a get out of jail free girl yeah. something to do with him i just think it's it, for me it's just important to know that there's a, a, there's another story behind you know the person in those shoes there's a story there whether you want to give a shit about it or not it's completely down to you but i wanted to give a shit about it because it made me understand more that he done that for a reason yes. and coming from that place allowed me to meet these two girls and allowed me to um very very soon meet his son right when you're he healing has the, the timelines so. here you're healing yeah. like just forward and, and back and, and all that you know, it's crazy. When they when we was originally in those messages before we met, I said to him, I was like, Perry, just say it, just say it. I said to him, I was like, you don't have to if you don't want to, because I'll tell you what, it's going to be very close to home, but um, I advise you read my book. Now, my book is talking about their, yeah, you know. their relative. Yeah. Close relative. Yeah. That's a word, relative. It's <laughs> like, we're pausing, my relative's word. Um, yeah, it's talking of, yeah, it's talking about their relative. And I said, like, you don't have to. She goes, no, just ordered it. I was like, all right. And then we met up. And then they just looked at me and they just cried and gave me a hug. And like, that book was insane. She goes, of course, it was a very hard fucking read. But I can't wait for you to carry on showing us. Like, now they follow me on Instagram. They like all of my stuff. And you know, the only, but you know, the only thing I could think of when I was meeting them, right, wasn't about what I went through. wasn't about anything. I just felt bad because we're talking about their relative. Of course. And I was like, how must they feel right now? We're talking about their relative. You know, and my cousin was talking about how when she would go upstairs to go to the toilet, she would have to hide in the cupboard in a, in a wardrobe first. She would hide in there because then she would hear my step-granddad's steps come up the stairs, right? And he would look for her because he would go into the toilet after her and do things to her while she's trying to pee. Oh. So so she so she would have to hide in a wardrobe. So he comes upstairs, he can't find her. Then he'll go back downstairs and then she'll quickly run into the toilet to go for a pee. And so she was like, we were sharing all of these stories and it was so healing. And I said to him, I was like, just to let you, know, you girls know, we are going to build a beautiful relationship moving forward. I don't think because because of what's happened that we can't. And um, yeah, and 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 they've allowed me to write about them in the book when I do You're my amazing. second edition. You're amazing. So, so that's the gift yeah. that has come from the way that you've healed. I'm thrilled for you. You won't carry this for your life, but this is work. People they would never have done it. They would. It's not like oh they'll get there. They never would have done this. They couldn't have done it. So many people are caught in this, whether it means being seen or understood or knowing it's not just them. Like you said, each person in this, your cousin, these girls, whoever else, your dad, his, your aunt, everyone thought it was just them. So the stories and what they carry on themselves, I mean, on one hand, it's horrific how many people it was, but on the other hand, it shows how not personal it was and how much pain comes from when someone's traumatized yeah did you ever think you could forgive him yeah really when what do you yeah, mean when, <laughs> when 
when you remember when I was uh, when I said about when I was at a mastermind event and then the yes. two guys who were running it they said um we'll get you in contact with a friend he had his dad pass away a year before mine and he saw from that video I was talking about how um there's still pain there from the things that my dad used to say and do and from the alcoholism and I blamed him for for being a fucking idiot and you know and my the the guy Liam He's like, you need to find forgiveness for being like, you need to forgive yourself for not replying back to the text. You need to forgive your dad for being an arsehole, you know. I was like, okay. And so I, I attempted that feat and, and it was good and it, and it worked. I was like, okay, I need to do the same thing for myself and my step granddad. And there wasn't a moment where I was like, you can't forgive him. Because I, I don't know if it's the, the part of my personality was like, don't ever fucking tell me you can't. Like, and I'll never tell it to myself, right? Um, and it, yeah, of course, it's going it's to feel impossible, but nothing's ever impossible. So I know there will be room for me to do that if I want to, if I wish to take that path. So I first worked on forgiving myself, and that was fine. Uh, there's a very, I'm, you know, I'm doing it very simplified. Right of course. Now, it's, uh, it's, anyway, it, yeah. it's not like a, a over a weekend, everyone. Let's just, this I is forgive a myself. <laughs> Done. Take it off the list. What's next? Who exactly. else? <laughs> I want to I wanna highlight that. I want to Thank that. you. Um, <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but I, I forget, I forgave myself, and I was like, right. I want to forgive my step granddad because, and again, it's like not because of him. The guy was fucking dead in the ground, exactly. right? And he still had a hold over me. Yeah. What gives him the right to have that? He no has no right. He did the exactly. work. He did the damage already. The rest is you holding on to letting someone continue exactly. to hurt you. Like you said, he's dead. He's not even there anymore. Yeah, and it, and the difference between that is an observer watching that meet that we had with the two girls and seeing me and my cousin Kelly. Yeah. I was like. I was like, cool. My cousin was a wreck. She was strong, very fucking strong. Yes. But you, but I can, but you can tell that she um, just was really struggling to hold it together. And that comes from she hasn't found forgiveness. And, and then even then, she's like, I can't fucking forgive that man. He's an asshole. Yes. He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. But, but you never said he's not an asshole. That's the thing. You <laughs> yeah, didn't turn yeah, yeah. him into a saint. It's just not your problem to carry it forever all the time. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's it. So in answer to your question, it's like, I, I, I knew that I'd be able to do it, but it was just how. And for me, the how came in regards to finding awareness on the reasons as to the actions that that person carried out. So like on that meet with the two girls, they've sent me links and I've done my digging too. And the fucking, I found out about the orphanage that he grew up in, right? So I've done my research into it. So him, He's got him, my step granddad, Michael, his his brother, and he's got three sisters. Now, when their mum passed away, the older sister was old enough where she didn't need to go to school, right? Okay. So the two brothers went to an orphanage in Cork and Ireland that was run by priests, an all-boys school. The two girls went to an orphanage that was run by nuns, an all-girls school. Now, the priests at that school would chain them up to the stairs. They'll be raped. They'll be beaten, right? And that was a consistent thing throughout that orphanage school. And there's reports on it. So many of the visas have come. They had to close that orphanage down in 19, I think it was 1959, it was 1969. Wow. I think it was 1959 that they had to close that orphanage down. Now the, 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 the girls one that was run by the nuns, they would physically abuse them like hard. One of the sisters today, the two girls, um, my, my second grandma's sisters, she's deaf in one ear because of the beatings that she would get across in, in the head mm -hmm. from the nuns. So, and this is the thing, it's like my step granddad, he grew up, right? And now his brother died five years ago. And when I asked them, like, no one, nobody talked to him. I was like, as in, in that way, because he followed the same path and they just nodded. Because none of them, they're both turned into abusers. 
because they how could they not yeah they never just they never seek the help they never they they denied that they had a problem and the way that they dealt with it was alcohol and was like they're both alcoholics both raging alcoholics my dad was a raging alcoholic and it's like could he have turned into an abuser at some point he was only 48 years old give him another 20 years what would have happened and this is the thing people like oh but me if i never spoke out I could have become an abuser. Right, and I have say, the... how does that happen to people? Yeah, you just laid exactly. out one of the pathways that this is how exactly. it happens to people. I could have gone down that path. Of course, right now, I'm like, I do... kids don't turn me on, so I'm not going to do right. that, right? right? But my step-granddaddy would have said the same thing at some point. Of course. And he well, would have, it's not and coming. that would have been the case. A lot, and, and this is 